Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The following program has been pre-recorded. Thanks for tuning in this weekend to Let's Talk Portland, Odyssey Portland's weekly public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxham, and this week's topic, we're going to talk about something that's been kind of a hot topic in Portland for years, replacing the Interstate Bridge. Let's talk about it. On the show this time, I'd like to welcome Greg Johnson. Greg is the program administrator for the Interstate Bridge Replacement Program. Hey there, Greg. Welcome to Let's Talk Portland. Thank you so much, Gary. I'm glad to be here. So there's been talk about replacing the Interstate Bridge for many, many years. Is it actually coming to fruition? Well, we think that we are on the right path um, to moving this project forward this go-round. So, yeah, you're right. This has been talked about for almost a quarter of a century. And uh, we think that we have some key milestones coming up to uh, that will put us on the path to getting this done. The bridge that's there now, how old is that bridge? So, so Gary, there are actually two bridges that carry um, I-5 over the Columbia River. Um, one was built in 1917, making it 105 years old. Um, its birthday was on uh, Valentine's Day. And so the second bridge, and they're, they're right next to each other. And if you don't look carefully, you'll think they're the same, same bridge. But the second bridge was built in 1958 as part of the interstate um, building program. So this is um, a 64-year-old bridge. Wow, you know, both I, of them. Go ahead. Both of them are old. Yeah. I until this very moment, I had no idea they were two. Well, I knew there were two separate bridges, but I didn't know they were built at at separate times. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So, what is the interstate bridge replacement program? So, the um, the interstate bridge replacement program or IBR program is um, a way that the governors of each state put together to um, say, this is important, this needs to be done. So they created the Interstate Bridge Replacement Program out of the remnants of the Columbia River Crossing Project. And we were told that, um, you know, to, to use uh, work that was done, but not be locked into what was done in the previous um, Columbia, Columbia River Crossing Project. So we have, um, we've made use of work that was done but we also recognize there's been many changes um, since the Columbia River Crossing project um, failed to launch back in 2014. So we are um, we're looking at the same six problems that were identified back then still exist. So 
whether it's safety, congestion, freight, um, high capacity transit. Um, the key um, element is the seismic um, resiliency. There's also active transportation that um, also that doesn't exist in a meaningful way across this bridge. So, so those six problems still um, exist and they've only gotten worse in the, uh, in the intervening years since this project was, uh, was closed out almost 10 years ago. Yeah, the population keeps keeps going up, right? So the bridge yeah. gets used more and more and more. And once again, the seismic um, vulnerability of of um, of these bridges are can't be undersold. This is um, if the Cascadia subduction does happen, we don't know that the existing bridges as they are as they are currently constituted would survive. So they are functionally obsolete. And so we need to get serious about getting those bridges replaced. Yeah, if there's uncertainty on whether a bridge would survive an earthquake, that's a little frightening. Yeah, and I-5, once again, it's a lot of folks look at it, okay, it's the local connector between Portland and Vancouver, which is very true. But it's also a West Coast connector, both um, it's the only interstate that connects Mexico and Canada. So this is important for the regional as well as the national economy. So it's a local bridge, but it serves um, a much bigger purpose. Yeah, I guess I never really thought about it that way. It is, it's the, it's I-5. I-5 goes completely north and south all the way through yeah. the United States. And it connects some of the, some of the biggest ports along the West Coast. Eventually those ports tie into I-5. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of freight movements, a lot of um, traffic that goes through here um, that supports the economy. We know that every day, on average, $71 million worth of goods crosses this bridge. So that's a daily projection on average. Wow. Yeah, I was going to ask how many uh, cars go back and forth across the bridge, cars and trucks and motor vehicles of any kind on a daily so, basis. So right now, that number... Um, and it's based on 2019 data is 143,000 vehicles per day across um, the Columbia River across I-5. That's a lot of traffic. It is. And it's and especially frustrating when you see it all backed up in either direction. <laughs> yeah. and, and Gary, one of, the, one of the more interesting things is that there are only two ways across the Columbia River in the Portland, Vancouver areas, either I-5 or I-205. And I-205 carries actually more traffic. They carry approximately 170,000 vehicles per day. So if this bridge were to be um, incapacitated, you'd be talking about 300,000 folks trying to cross on one bridge. And that's just not sustainable. It's not a, um, it's not a good idea. So there's, there's some, some, um, some great reasons of why this bridge needs to be replaced. Yeah. We're talking today with Greg Johnson, program administrator for the interstate bridge replacement program. Now, if, 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 and when the bridge is replaced, the I-5 bridge, um, what improvements is that going to make for, for both Portland and Vancouver? So, one of the key things that, that we are looking at, Gary, is we are trying to make this a multimodal corridor where people will have choice about how they travel through this corridor. So 
we're actually not just replacing the bridge. We are looking at a five mile corridor um, on the north end is um, SR 500 is the northernmost um, interchange that would be impacted. And um, we would um, be going down to Delta Park on the south end in Oregon. So the, the key things is that we would be creating choice for folks who travel through here. With high capacity transit, we would give folks opportunities to get out of these single occupancy vehicle trips um, to maybe take um, light rail. Um, if you're traveling uh, from downtown Portland to Vancouver or vice versa, you would have options. We're looking at improving the active transportation. So biking, walking, and rolling. Once again, it's a beautiful uh, venue, but right now there's a three and a half foot path on each side that's a little bit scary for folks. So we would modernize this and give folks opportunities both for leisure as well as commuting to use um, biking and walking as a viable alternative to single occupancy vehicle trips. I've ridden my bike across the, the current interstate bridge. It's, it is narrow. It is. So, so I've walked across it. I think I'm going on my 14th time walking across the bridge to Hayden Island. And it is, it's, it's not comfortable. It's not modern. It doesn't um, motivate folks to say, yeah, I, I can do this. This is fun. It makes you more a little bit apprehensive about doing it. So we want to make it a modern uh, facility for active transportation and once again give folks opportunities to make choices. Well back in 1917 when the original bridge was built they probably weren't thinking about bicyclists and all, all of that right? I'm sure they were not <laughs> but the original bridge did have um, did have a trolley that ran across it so but um, so transit has been a, um, a theme crossing the river before so it's um it has an interesting history. So, Greg, what is being proposed for the new bridge? What will it look like, and what will uh, what will be able to go across it? So, we're looking at a at a larger bridge um, that will be higher uh, than the existing bridge because, once again, we're trying to eliminate the um, the lift span portion, which um, that lift span operates approximately three hundred times per year. And so we're looking to build a bridge high enough to um, allow um, all of the um, river traffic to cross underneath without having a lift span. So that's one of the key differences that um, we're hoping folks will, uh, will see. We also know that um, we are looking at or proposing to have um, high capacity transit in the form of light rail um, across the river. So we would extend the max yellow line um, across the Hayden Island and then across um, the main stem of the Columbia over to um, Evergreen Street in Vancouver. So that would be another large difference that you would see folks would be able to, um, to take that. We're also looking at including what are called auxiliary lanes or these are ramp to ramp lanes that allow folks to, um, to safely enter into the freeway at speed. Now, the um, existing ramp, sometimes you have to roll the dice and dive in or you have to stomp on your brakes. So, so we're looking to make that a, a better, safer 
um, movement for folks by including um, auxiliary lanes in each direction. So we know that the current accident rates or current crash rates at um, this location are like three times higher than other locations um, across the state. So the bridge is narrow. Um, you feel claustrophobic driving across it. There are no shoulders. So you would see shoulders on a new bridge. Um, you would see um, bus, bus on shoulders to, um, to move transit through <coughs> um, express bus through the corridor uh, better as well as there would be um, light rail would have its own um, operating um, segment on the bridge. So this, this is gonna be a, a totally modern smart bridge. Is it double decker at all or is it single decker? More than likely it will have a second level. Um, we're looking at a couple, of, um, a couple of different layouts for how this bridge could be constructed. So, one is a is a side by side that would have um, transit um, underneath uh, one of the um, it would probably be the um, southbound lanes, uh, but we're also looking at where we would have um, the southbound lane on top of the northbound lanes, and then transit and um, and active transportation would be on that um, bottom level. So there's a couple of things that are still that are still being looked at and being examined um, as far as what the bridge layout might look like. And will it be on the when it's being built? Uh, will it be on the north side or the I'm sorry the west side of of the current I five bridge? Yeah, currently that's that's um, the alignment that we are looking at as the most feasible. Um, the existing bridge would have to remain in place until we were ready with the new, to switch traffic over to a new bridge. So we would build uh, that new bridge probably a hundred feet or so north of, or west of the existing uh, bridge um, and then switch traffic. And one of the last things that would be done is to take uh, that existing um, bridge out of, uh, demolish it, take it out piece by piece. And that would be one of the last things that would be done. We're talking today with Greg Johnson, Program Administrator for the Interstate Bridge Replacement Program. Now, the million-dollar question, Greg, uh, when will this be done? Well, it's actually, well, it's a several-billion-dollar question, <laughs> actually. Well, we, we have um, numerous steps that we still have to complete. Although we're coming on a significant milestone that we call the locally preferred alternative, we're looking to get um, alignment from the partners and from the community on uh, this locally preferred alternative. And we think we're well on the way to doing that. So this will um, hopefully come on the end of July, we will have the ability to move us forward into the next phase, which will be a um, supplemental environmental impact statement. And that process will take approximately a year and a half. And during that year and a half, we're going to be um, hopefully talking to the Oregon legislature about matching or, or um, doing something similar to what the Washington legislature has done as far as committing local dollars. That allows us to apply for federal dollars. So the, the um, shortened answer, even though it's not too short to your question is, we would hope to, if everything goes well and stays on track like it is now, 
we would hope to break ground in late 2025, early 2026, and be done with everything by 2023 or 2033. Okay. So approximately a six to seven year um, construction time frame, And we would put incentives out there to make sure that contractors, whoever was selected, um, would not um, dally on this project because of the importance of it. So, What kind of impact will uh, the bridge replacement have on the community and what, what is meant by centering equity? So one of the things that we heard early on from the, from the partners and from the community that um, was not necessarily a focus area the last time uh, this program was seriously uh, talked about they said they wanted to, um, for us to focus on both equity and climate. And so what equity looks like for a mega project is making sure, number one, we have processes in place that are reaching out to uh, communities of concern that may not have necessarily been um, involved in the decision-making for large projects like this in the past. So we know that across the country that transportation projects are fraught with inequity. So we've been asked to make sure that number one, we are engaging uh, communities of concern and that their voices are heard. Um, Secondly, uh, these communities generally have always taken the brunt of, of impacts for these large projects. And so this is Uh, Once again, a way to say, okay, you've absorbed the impacts. Now let's see how we can more fairly distribute benefits that can come from a large project like this Um, and make sure that there are job opportunities, that we are doing things um, uh, for the community via community benefits agreements, things like that, that will make this project different than how traditional, traditional mega projects have been built. So both the DOTs are focused on equity, and it's one of the reasons that brought me out here was that focus. It sounds like it's, uh, it's very thoughtful. It's a very thoughtful process. Well, I tell you, so we have, um, I think we're the only uh, program, to my knowledge, that has both a principal climate officer and a principal equity officer that is looking at these issues um, very much in depth. And for me, it, it is personal, Gary. I, you know, one of my earliest memories uh, back living back in Michigan was being displaced um, out of my home as the, the um, predecessor to the Michigan DOT was widening a road and uh, they took our home. And at the time I was four years old, I thought it was exciting to, um, yeah, I'm going to live with grandma and grandpa, going to live with uncles. So we moved three times in a year and a half. And, but the the dark side to that story is that my father, uh, when I was old enough to understand, told me how unfair he thought he was treated in the process. And so as I became a a transportation professional, uh, it was always my mission to make sure that folks who um, traditionally had not been heard, had their voices heard and reflected in projects like this. How can people, if they want to make their voices heard now, how do they do that? So I, I think the first step is to, um, to look at our website, which is um, 
www.interstatebridge.org. And the website has all of our past meetings um, that we've had with our community advisory group and our equity advisory group. And so you can get caught up on what things have transpired, but also you can see the schedule for what the upcoming meetings are and get involved and make your voice heard in this. So we think um, by the time we, we um, are probably in July that we will have touched close to 40,000 people or had 40,000 different touches to the program. So we're being very intentional in how we are doing outreach and making sure that folks can talk to us, can make their views heard on this program. What have been some of the concerns that people have had about a new bridge? So we, we hear um, there's, a, there's a significant uh, group of folks that are concerned about will building this bridge uh, be worse for the environment? as we move forward. Uh, They think that if you build a a bigger bridge and you solve congestion problems, that you will induce more traffic to use it. Now, this corridor has been around for 105 years. Folks have been um, using this crossing to get from point A to point B. So it's it's not like this is a new, uh, brand new thing. This is just improving and making sure that it functions better. So there's there's that concern. There are folks who are who are concerned that we are not building it wide enough. They say that you have to look out to the future and make sure that you are uh, building something that will handle an unknown future out 30, 40 years from now. So we have to balance those um, those type of inputs and make sure that we're getting the right thing done and right-sizing this bridge, not building something that is uh, tremendously too big, but also building for the future, making sure that we are are building something that will help sustain this area, both culturally and um, economically going into the future. Is the new bridge, is it proposed, uh, is tolling being proposed? So tolling is a part of um, the plan of how this bridge will be funded and financed. So we've looked across the country and and programs of this size, when you have billions of dollars um, in cost, we found that tolling is is a standard tool to help fill in a gap between the funds that the states can uh, put forward, the federal dollars, so tolling becomes the third leg of that funding stool um, to help uh, get this thing funded and paid for, but also to help maintain and operate it into the future. So it's it's not a popular thing, and we understand that. So we're looking at how we can uh, have equitable tolling and collaborate with uh, both um, the Washington State Transportation Commission and the Oregon Transportation Commission that sets tolling policy and rates, uh, we can uh, make sure that we are doing some smart things so we're not burdening folks who have to travel, who don't have flexibility to travel at different times of day to make sure that they are um, not being overly burdened in uh, crossing this bridge to get to work. 
In the last uh, little bit we have here, Greg, give out some more information on how people can get involved. Where's the best place to start? So I think um, listening to, um, to upcoming community um, advisory group meetings and um, making sure that um, the equity, that they're listening to the equity meetings that we hold on a monthly basis um, is a good place to get started. Once again, our, our website, uh, um, info at interstatebridge.org, um, will just have a tremendous amount of resources. We, um, we, we've been producing our, our information in 10 different um, written languages and eight different spoken languages to make sure that if people who have English as a second language can understand and still participate. So it's been a, a grand effort to make sure we are touching every part of the community on this program. Excellent. Big project, Greg. Wow. It is. It, it's, <laughs> uh, it's a challenge, uh, but um, I'm confident that we're going to get it done this time. One of the things that I tell all of the partners and anyone who cares to listen is that we cannot let a perfect solution be the enemy of a very good solution. Because in the end, there is no perfect solution. So we're going to do something that will enhance this region for a number of years going forward. And we think that um, with the input from the community and the partners, that um, we'll have a bridge that reflects uh, the community's wishes and desires for this. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for the update on the Interstate Bridge. Gary, it's been my pleasure. Anytime you need um, more information, we are more than happy to engage with you and your audience. Excellent. Thank you. We've been talking today with Greg Johnson, Program Administrator for the Interstate Bridge Replacement Program. Thanks, Greg. If you'd like to hear this interview again, just search for Let's Talk Portland on the Odyssey app. Let's Talk Portland is an Odyssey Portland public affairs program. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.